This is Take On The World with Johnny and Mike. And, you know, people always ask me, hey, you got a podcast? What's it about? Uh, I don't know. You ever want to uh, cut your fingers off or learn about a sharp knife? <laughs> we could tell you that. <laughs> How about uh, murder mysteries or uh, hauntings or any kind of fringe subject? Anything you could think of. We take on everything because we take on the world. Now you go take on the world. This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Uh, we're doing things a little different today. Joining me today will be as my co-host, Jim Morganti, and we'll be interviewing Timothy Stevens. He's an upcoming uh, writer, director, producer, editor, all that stuff. We talk about his movie, The Ghost Light. Uh, but before that, let's just uh, get the house cleaning out of the way. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find us over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. And the podcast of the month this month is Metalhead Journeys. Check them out. They're a music podcast. They do all kinds of metal music reviews. If you're into uh, metal music, check them out. Metalhead Journeys. We are at deluxeedition.show. You can find all of our previous shows over there. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Deluxe Edition Pod. We have merch over at whatamaneuver.net, and all the links will be in the description below. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash Deluxe Edition Pod. All right, here's our interview with Timothy Stevens, and go check out the ghost lights. Timothy, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is my uh, co-host for this show, and he's here for a special reason, uh, Jim Morgani. Uh, cool. Nice to meet you. You're the writer, director, producer, editor, and uh, everything. Uh, of director of photography. Light. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> play a small role. Yep. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Tell us about uh, tell us about your movie, man. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, it, should, do you want me to start with like kind of a summary of like what it's about and then we go from there? Sure. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so the, the Ghost Lights is it's a sci-fi thriller. Um, it has kind of some elements of horror as well. And um, it tells the story of a young woman who um, she's a journalist, goes off to New York from Dallas to pursue her uh, dreams of being a a writer, and then she comes back home after the death of her father and uh, discovers this mysterious cassette tape labeled October 15th, 1978. And uh, as she listens to it, she hears her father interviewing this man who had a traumatic encounter with these strange lights out in West Texas. And um, she's become kind of estranged from her father and, uh, you know, missed the funeral. And so she decides to set off across this uh, cross-state road trip to discover the truth about these lights and kind of kind of amend that relationship with her father sort of after the fact, um, kind of connect with his memory. So uh, as she goes, she listens to the tape and strange things start to happen along the way. So that's pretty much the summary of it. It's a, it's a road trip film. It's a sci-fi film. You know, it's a, it's a film about regret, family, things we say or didn't say or wish we hadn't said. 
And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We shot during 2020, uh, kind of in the heat of COVID. So it was uh, we were able to get tested, do it safely. Um, but it was it was honestly a nice reprieve from all of that as well because we we got to head out to big beautiful West Texas to uh, film this movie. Were you there in? Um, so you were there when in 2020 were you in Terlingua? Uh, we were, so it says October 15th. That was literally the first day of filming. Uh, we filmed for about 12 days. So, uh, it was like the week before Halloween, roughly. Nice. I, so I used to live out in Austin and right in that year, I, you know, I met this, this, you know, person, woman, one could say, uh, well, she's like, let's go out to West Texas. I was like, well, you know, what's out there, right. In Marfa. And in Terlingua, there's these Marfa lights and all the, the, the crazy stuff. So it was right. right when everything was shut down. So we started, we hauled down to Southwest Texas, whatever. And, uh, and, and in Terlingua, all the, the shots in the beginning of the movie uh, that, that you recorded. Yeah. Yeah. You were, uh, they were all, I was there and it's so awesome. By the way, why is my oh voice yeah, I know it's me? it's like something out of a uh, Robert Rodriguez film. Like it, it yeah. really feels like I mean, it feels like a movie set. Um, yeah, although it's, it's about as it. authentic as you could possibly imagine. You know, it has uh, that. It has. Even, I'm not sure. We'll get into how how much you had of a, of a budget you had, but it it has that big movie feel just right. because of I think the the scenery of Texas. You know. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I I went there for the first time in 2018 uh, for Dia de los Muertos and also uh, uh, Halloween. They they have a big celebration out there in the uh, cemetery, and um, I was just so captivated by the setting. I I knew at that point I didn't really have a story planned, uh, but I knew at that point I had to come back to Terlingua to film because it really is it's it's a it's a movie set that you can just kind of walk into you know um except it's all real which is pretty amazing did you okay did you see anything because when i was there now this is just me well first of all when it when you're in Terlingua which as we all know means three tongues but anyway um (laughs) maybe maybe but uh when you're down there it's um well i went down when everything was closed and everything was open there because they're just like, you know, what's going on? It's so secluded from everything. It really um, is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the pandemic, obviously, it reached Terlingua, uh, but not near, nearly like it did um, everywhere else. And of course, like, you know, there wasn't a lot of tra- travel or tourism, which actually really hurt them. They they survive on, on tourism. But it really was like, uh, it was surreal. You know, we got like an Airbnb and we're out there under the under the stars. It's a, uh, a no light pollution zone at this point. It's actually mm-hmm. uh, regulated. Um, so yeah, really nowhere else in Texas do you get such beautiful, you know, uh, starscapes, Milky Way. And um, it felt unreal. It felt like we were in like a different world, really. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Other than, other than I don't want to give uh, too much away of the movie. I watched it this morning. But other than the ending, there you use no like CGI or anything, right? That's just all the sky and all that stuff, right? Uh, a, l- a little bit of CGI. The okay. uh, I mean, we we have we shot with the black magic, which is pretty light sensitive, but you can't really get people in stars 
in the same shot. Gotcha. So w- what we ended up doing is we had separate exposures for the sky and then we, we put it together. So, okay. Um, and uh, you mentioned that uh, before you went out there, you didn't have much of a story, uh, but you said you wanted to come up with a story. So this is, this is all something that you just came up with. No, this isn't based on anything that you heard about or. It, it is loosely based on a conversation I had actually, you know, you asked me if I, I saw anything yet. I assume you meant, did we see any ghost lights? We did while filming, and I'll I'll get to that. But um, uh, really what started all this is in 2019, I was in development for a paranormal travel TV show. So it was going to be like Destination Unknown with... Uh, aliens or ghosts or Bigfoot, you know, like it, it could, it could change. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, like most shows in development, nothing happened with that particular show. Um, but I, as a part of that, I did a bunch of research where I interviewed people that had experiences with strange things off in West Texas. Cause that's where we decided to place the first episode. Um, and one man in particular, um, had a close encounter with the light. And when I say close encounter, I mean like here to here, like very, very close. And it was a traumatic experience for him. You know, it was not neat or interesting or cool. You know, it was, <laughs> it really messed him up pretty bad. And, uh, you know, that set with me a lot. And honestly, I want to go film with this, this guy, maybe do like some sort of documentary at some point, but his traumatic experience was really what led me to think, because, I mean, growing up in Texas, we've all heard about the Marfa lights, but we never think about it as something that could, like, hurt us. You know, it's just a weird thing that happens, you know, in the desert. So that that really was the inspiration for it. So it's not it's not a direct adaptation by any means, but, you know, I, I talked with this guy, and he, he was very reluctant to tell me this story. You know, he had every reason to see this as like an opportunity to maybe sell a book or something like he there there's good reason for him to like be open with me but something about that experience was very harrowing for him which got under my skin and as a horror film writer obviously i'm looking for anything that makes me feel uh uneasy or sure. uh afraid <laughs> you know and that the look on that guy's face i mean it's with me even right now so wow do you think like you've connected any of these lights with anything almost like the um the northern lights or like the energy of the earth almost like the orgon like i mean i don't know if you've uh, ever looked into orgon the orgon en- energy and organite or i know they're a little mm-hmm. different but it's almost like the sexual energy the deep you know throbbing sexual energy of the earth and when you're out there it's well i hiked big bend which is right you know next to trilingua yeah and I mean, it's just so there's something different about that place that it's almost co- like cosmic, spiritual. You're looking out and, you know, I could see the flat earthers, how they're like, it's flat, man, because you're looking out <laughs> and, uh, and it's flat. Like it is. I remember I, I shot a little video and I was literally it's yeah, it's beautiful. The top of Big Bend. And it's mm-hmm. um, and uh, I haven't seen any lights there, though. I was looking because I love stargazing. Was there a question in there somewhere? Uh, yes, which I was getting to. How did you feel? Not like, you know, crotchly, but like when the light, when you saw this light, how yeah. did, did you feel anything different? Because I, you know, I felt some, well, I met somebody down there one time. Well, twice. She was not, but anyway, I, but you could feel something like internally when you're there. Like, did you feel anything from that? Well, yeah. So when, when we were filming, um, 
the latter half of the film. You know, we shot pretty much se- sequentially. So it was like a literal road trip from Dallas to Terlingua, 750 some odd miles. And when when we got there, we, we f- actually filmed some of the final scenes first. And then we had a scene that was like some driving that we needed just like wide open space with not a lot of light pollution. And I knew that the road headed into Marfa was pretty much what we needed. So we we were filming in Alpine, got a shot off and then went off to get our, our driving scene and um, got it. And then I I knew that we were right near the Marfa Lights viewing station. So I, I just said, hey, guys, like, we're done for the day. Let's go see if we can see the Marfa Lights. And, you know, it's not like clockwork. Like, they don't just, like, show up at the same time every night. Uh, some nights, some weeks, you, you won't see them at all. But uh, we got there, and there's a bunch of people that had been camped out looking for him. I guess they lost patience and decided to leave. And so as everyone was leaving, I was like, hey, y'all, I've done enough research. We need to hang out for a minute. It's actually a little early for the lights. And uh, about 10, 15 minutes later, we saw this little orange light off in the desert and i i knew it was all like public land so there's no highways over there there's no ranches you know i mean it could have been someone with a flashlight i guess treading where they're not supposed to be going but we we watched it and it kind of rose up a little bit started to kind of go like like this and then it split into two and it started kind of doing this like back and forth thing. And then those two became four and it started going like this. And they're all everybody two. knows flashlights can't split into two. No. I mean, oh. Well, and then it rose probably 50 feet in the air and they're going like this and they split in four different directions. And they, they just all start doing their own thing. Like figure eights, like circles, they start changing colors to like blue to red, to orange, to green. And then this lasted for about 30 minutes. And as this was happening, you know, like we all just kind of forgot that we could probably capture this. Like we had cameras, we had (laughs) phones. Um, And there's actually a term for this uh, that a lot of paranormal research researchers have called paranormal apathy. So it's this thing that happens is that when you're in the presence of something that's so inexplicable, you forget that you could do something about it, that you could live stream on Facebook, that you could capture a picture really quick. You could pull out our like legit professional cameras. And, um, you know, 30 minutes past is we're basically just like, you asked if we felt something, we were kind of like transfixed, like just, we couldn't look away. And then, uh, you know, as quickly as they came, they split back into two and then one and then twinkled off. It was like a reverse, like they just hit reverse on a VCR. And then it was at that point that we were all like, shit, we could have filmed that. Like what just happened? (laughs) Um, It was really wild. And, um, you know, and and people have been researching this. It happens often enough over the last hundred years that, you know, uh, like UT Austin did a, um, a study on it. There's a man that has like really high uh, end cameras that are like long exposure video cameras that are stationed out there permanently. So he's constantly downloading the hard drives and just getting the stuff. And, um, you know, no one knows what the hell they are. I, that's yeah. my question. I was just going to say, so, I mean, it's definitely something that happens, but has there, has there ever been an explanation as to what they are? Or what I mean, there's, there's theories, are? you know, um, we actually have a scene in the film where we kind of like 
throw out some of the theories that people have said, you know, some say it's like swamp gas, you know, there's a lot of pockets of, you know, natural gas out there and sometimes they can like uh, ignite in heat, but you know, those go up and then they're gone. You know, and what's it's, it's like a yeah. spirit, right? That's what we turn into, right? We turn into gas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you know, there's lots of lots of natural explanations that people have thrown out, like, you know, haze causing reflection of light. Uh, plasma has been thrown out there. I don't know about the plasma thing. These things seemed intelligent to me. They like had an agenda as they were flying around the Apache, who are the uh, Native American tribe that has been out there. Their theory is exactly that, that it, the lights are the uh, spirits of their forefathers, um, because the Apache were displaced mostly by a uh, Mexican uh, army. And the the local belief is that it's lights leading the people back home, almost like searchlights, like little beacons saying, this is where you belong, come back home. So that that's an explanation I like a lot. It's it's not where we go in the film necessarily, but it's that's it's right. one that it's one that <laughs> I like <laughs> to 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 think about. It does go back to like okay if you think about what's gas, gas is a release of an, an emission from a carbon, which is us, a spirit. So if it is plasma, like you know, and it's the spirits of the earth. I mean, what what else could it be then if it is plasma? It's like the sexual energy of the earth. And what's plasma? It's a big load of energy, right? Coming out. Sure. All right. So it's it's our souls and spirits, which they call gas now. And they're like, oh, no, it's just gas because it's one of three elements. Hmm. And that's like the process of the earth, possibly just, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. What if that's all the process of the earth of? When we die, the spirit goes and it's a light body and everything. And then it just gets back in the ground and then comes back up as a new superhuman, you know, or whatever we're called nowadays. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm open to, to every interpretation except that it's headlights because that, that actually I mean, is, that's, that's, that's actually the least reasonable explanation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they were, and you're, they they almost oh you're just you know it's just headlight I'm reading all the on Highway 67 how they're like oh that's just headlights from the cars driving and whatnot but it's they just, don't look, it, it can't be. Don't it, like this. there's no highway over there so I mean you're sitting like like if here's here's a map um, the viewing station is right here this is Highway 67 and then everything this direction is the desert extending out into the Chihuahuan Desert becoming Mexico so there there's no highway over there. So right. the explanation that it's headlights um, is just uh, a a stupid. Uh, it, it's an ignorant way to say I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, when you were in Alpine, did you go to the? Uh, I went. I was in Alpine. Actually, this is before Trilingua, and oh, I met this person. Anyway, uh, what uh, in Alpine? There's a McDonald the the look at the observatory. Yeah, yeah, McDonald. It's funny that. They we so I went in there and I was just like you know they give you like a little tour and whatnot and they had this huge telescope it looks like a spaceship and they never see anything in outer space and they have this huge all this technology and funding but then you're just like some guy you know on a road just walk around maybe with your guitar and your back <laughs> and you're just like oh what the heck's that light and you can see stuff here on Earth that we can't explain but all these telescopes that they're getting money for they're like oh well we're, we'll find we'll find it we'll look up there 
And yeah. I'm not saying it's fake. Well, I, I just so, don't um, not to go on a huge tangent, but one of the the big inspirations for the ghost lights came after I read the Mothman prophecies. Uh, so that's the book. The if you are to believe John Keel, the writer, it's a nonfiction account of the collapse of the Silver Bridge in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in '69, something like that. And, you know, like the man, men in black are heavily mentioned in that, you know, um, but he he had this uh, term that he coined, which is called uh, super terrestrial or ultra terrestrial. And, and so he completely like separates from the idea that, you know, these entities, whatever they are, that might be manning the UFOs or uh, abducting people or whatever this he he separates from the idea that they are from out there in space. He thinks they're here on this earth. And so this idea that of course, that we're going to see aliens by looking up. If you listen to John Keel, he would say you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. And And again, that's as a horror filmmaker. I'm like, Oh, that's scary. Like we are looking in the wrong place. You know, I'm looking here and it's like right fucking behind me. Right. And (laughs) what's what extra super terrestrial, it could just mean somewhere else in land that we don't know of, like extra terrain and yeah, yeah other dimensional, that, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's kind of, I mean, I don't want to give away about too much about the ghost lights, but these, these kind of like the exploration of these, what ifs that we're presenting here, that's definitely like what I'm playing with here is, you know, uh, the lights, you know, if they are not extraterrestrial, then what are they, you know, um, and of course, time plays into this a lot. Ideas of um, what is now, what is then, what is yesterday, what is the future, you know, um, and how these things kind of start to to get fuzzy at certain times, you know, yeah. start well, to blur together. I mean, everybody knows Einstein's quote, oh, well, time, it's not real. It's, it's just an illusion. So if you apply that to space, which is he also said it's time and space that we live in space therefore up there couldn't be what we think it is it could be totally not an illusion as well mm-hmm. and just like time isn't real and the space-time right. continuum is all this construct that we made when all this amazing things that we can't understand is like right in front of us but mm-hmm. i i wanted to ask you what um what do you have any favorite people uh like yourself or like uh ufologists or researchers or whatever that you like to read or or uh look into or kind of like that inspired you well, John Keel, for sure. You know, um, everything about the Mothman prophecies, that's a, just a scary book. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's enlightening, but it's, if you just, uh, if you can suspend all your disbelief for just a little bit, read that book, it's terrifying. And, uh, you know, some, some people that I'm really into right now, uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk, um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They did a, uh, a series called Hellier that's on Amazon Prime. It's also on YouTube. But they are they are kind of in the vein of John Keel where they explore everything, you know, like they they don't limit themselves to say we're just interested in the alien bit. We're just interested in the ghost thing. We're just interested in Bigfoot, you know. Um, and actually, that's a really cool show because they start out looking for goblins in uh, – Western Kentucky and end up performing um, uh, black magic rituals in a cave, trying to summon the God pan. And, and what yeah, that sounds like 
two different things. This is a documentary show. Um, it sounds like those don't belong together, but when you watch the whole thing, there's like a direct line. Everything suddenly they're reading code that is coming out of the Book of the Law by Alistair Crowley, and like it's a oh that, yeah, it's it's wild. It's really wild, <laughs> and um, uh, everything they're into. I mean, I follow them on Facebook just to get inspired you know you know um, Alistair Crowley gets a I mean he was obviously meant like something was wrong with him oh yeah, but the yeah stuff sure. that he like Philema and his and that religion that goes back to uh Blavatsky and those that's actually you know it's like science it's not even it does a lot of it is just nature and that's all it is it's not like this evil thing it's just you get messed up people that they start start you know understanding the supernatural and the natural law and they're like well how can we use this to our advantage and they all meet oh this yeah yeah i mean that's and- crowley's only i mean like flaw really is that he was completely self-interested in a bit of yeah. a demagogue you know um actually i would love to see a modern take on his life like a biopic of alistair crowley would be really cool and he was friends with- next <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's I need more money for for that one. <laughs> yeah, let's, we've, uh, let's, we've got to go to Loch Ness in Scotland, and <laughs> <laughs> let's get back into uh, your uh, the ghost life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of money, no, all good. How how did you fund uh, fund this movie? Was it an Indiegogo project or? So, um, you know, when we decided that we were going to make this film, it was after developing a whole bunch of projects, uh, writing a bunch of feature screenplays, doing budgets, seeking investment and kind of falling up short. And then the pandemic happened and it became apparent that like the people that had money are not going to share it at this point. And it looked honestly at that time, it looked like the death of Hollywood. Like it's just, everything was so uncertain. And I kind of had an existential crisis where I'm like, I've got to make a damn movie no matter what. Like, I don't know what's after this pandemic resolves, but I've got to figure out how to make a movie now. So we wrote the script with a budget in mind. (laughs) My wife took out some money on her 401k, God bless her soul. And we, Made the movie for about seven thousand dollars. Oh wow! Uh, just jump change, really. Oh, um, yeah. You know, uh, and then we did do a Indiegogo campaign for post production because you know I really wanted a top notch soundtrack. There was some CGI that we needed to do. I wanted to make sure because to me that's the biggest thing that uh, will take me out of a low budget horror film is like if the effects are bad. Sure. Um, so really, most of the money kind of went into those two things, and then of course. Uh, color correction and everything but i edited the film so that that saved a lot of money there um yeah well you so did a great I, job man oh thank you yeah thank you so much um yeah and uh that was actually one of the things i had in my notes is the the soundtrack to it is fantastic oh my god uh so brandon moss he's a buddy of mine uh he actually did my first student short film he did the soundtrack for that and i i was just like when i got that stuff back from from brandon i I felt like completely unworthy, <laughs> you know, yeah, cause it's so, you know, um, and we, we had a lot of, dis- he and I work really well together. Like he kind of just knows what I want, you know, and I don't have to talk to him a lot, but, you know, we discussed a, a couple of movies as inspiration, the Blade Runner soundtrack. Uh, it was a big inspiration for this with those big like synth beds that uh, kind of pulse through those real like fuzzy synth beds. And then, then also the soundtrack for Interstellar was a big uh, inspiration. How time is a big theme of that movie, and how like if you actually listen to the Interstellar tra- soundtrack, there's 
a clock in nearly every major piece of that film just in the background sometimes it's very faint and that idea of like kind of trying to bring the texture and the themes of the film into the orchestration is something we really took to heart like actually something he did is he he recorded the entire soundtrack first on like top notch you know like hi-fi audio we i mean uh, synthesizers and then we also had like an orchestra do uh, parts of the main theme. And then he ran all of that into a tape deck, recorded onto a tape and then recorded that tape back out to digital. So he, he put a a tape fuzz on everything. Um, And of course that that's a big part of the film is this texture of tape. And, you know, and and then there are themes there about how uh, memory is kind of like magnetism and, you know, how tapes can fade over time, just like memory and, you know, stuff like that. Um, But it's subtle. I I don't think you would recognize it because it's not like really heavy tape fuzz, you know, but it's, it's definitely there. Um, Yeah. And you can listen to it. It's all on SoundCloud right now. Oh, cool. Um, awesome. So anybody that wants to go search uh, the ghost lights on uh, SoundCloud, whole thing is right there to listen to. Awesome. And uh, I just have one last question for you before we uh, get your plugs. Uh, what What was it like working with Billy Blair? What a great storyteller like that. I know, right? I don't yeah. know if you could have got a better person to play that role. I mean, that was so. I mean, he's. I saw him, man. That's what I was looking for on on the shelf. I saw oh, him yeah. in another movie. Oh, uh, Cherokee Tree. That my yeah, friend yeah, uh, Todd did Cherokee. Yeah. Treat. Oh, you know Todd? No way. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was yeah, actually Todd's in uh, awesome. Roseblood with Todd. I actually never met him, but I just know him okay. from. We were in the same uh, Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, Billy's awesome. You know, most people know him from uh, the Machete films. Uh, he was in Sin City, A Dame to Kill. Maybe the first one, too. Um, uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. And, uh, you know, he plays a lot of, uh, like, bad guys. That's kind of because he's got a look, right? Like, he mm-hmm. can look like a villain really easily. And, um, you know, I had met him years ago, probably a decade ago, and I asked him at that point, like, what what kind of film would you love to be in, like, that you haven't really gotten a chance to exercise some of your acting skills in? And he said, I really want, like, a quiet movie. Like, you know, every film I'm in has me screaming and, you know, like, gunning down Robert De Niro with, a, with an AK, right? Um and, uh, you know, I kept that in mind. And when I wrote this character, Mario, who is really haunted by this experience he had with the lights. And, and Mario is more or less based on the dude that I actually talked to that had the experience with the lights. Um, and, uh, you know, it's quiet and he's he's well-spoken. He's kind of poetic um, and he's a storyteller. And uh, it was something that Honestly, like when I sent him the script, the first thing he sent back to me was like, seriously, dude, because it's it, long stories <laughs> he, he tells. And, um, you know, what I told him was like, listen, this doesn't have to be ver- verbatim, you know, internalize the story. And then if you just deliver the story as if you actually experienced it and we go off script, no big deal. And while he did hit a lot of the major beats that are actually verbatim in the script, there's a couple of times he just told the story. And that's uh, that was actually kind of magical because I uh, I wanted all of those scenes to feel kind of documentary-esque. So we didn't storyboard any of it. We had two cameras going. I told the other guy to just move around if things start to get really intense on the delivery, like 
get up close and personal. So there's times when the camera is like this close to Billy as he was telling this, uh, this story that of uh, these experiences. Um, and I think it feels really authentic. And uh, I mean, by the time we were done with those scenes, like we all pretty much like gave him a standing ovation because we kind of felt like we had been sitting by a fire, listening to someone tell their life story. Um, yeah. Which is crazy because, you know, we, we all knew it was scripted, right? But we really right. felt like we, he made it so believable. So I, it was, it was really cool. And it, it's definitely out of the norm for his normal, like, uh, you know, watch Cherokee Creek. That's, that yeah. is, an, that's another world <laughs> compared to this film. <laughs> Anything it's else, it, Jim? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it says he's the grandson or, or grants are related to uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. So yeah. maybe that's why. He has that, yes, it was like that. Oh, Billy Blair is? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Um, I'm not, it's it's a little more distant than like great-grandson, but um, he, uh, and actually the first time I saw him was at a goth club in Dallas called The Church. Really cool place that we're actually making a documentary about right now. But I met him and he was sitting on a, a really plush red uh, velvet couch and uh, sipping, I want to say it was absinthe or something, but he had a top hat on and uh, <laughs> like some sunglasses kind of down like Ozzy Osbourne style. And he's wearing like a brocade coat uh, with tall boots. And uh, I, he looked like Edgar Allan Poe. Or if Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe were to like be alive today, maybe that's Casey. that's what he looked like. I'm yeah. so, Casey, surprised you. Uh, I mean, me and Casey, we, we start, try to see who does the most research before the podcast. And obviously Casey... Didn't come prepared, so uh, I'm just going to write it down. <laughs> I was more prepared, case. Tick on the on the make a mark for you, Timothy. Great job on this movie, man. I uh, really enjoyed it. Tell everyone where they can find it. It's uh, it's available everywhere now, right? It is, yeah, yeah. So uh, the Ghost Lights is out now. Um, pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out to like AVOD, which is like advertised based stuff. So you can watch it on YouTube. We're actually. Uh, Terror Films is going to do a big release along with Kings of Horror uh, in October. Those dates aren't settled yet, so that's kind of uh, to be determined. But for now, um, you can watch it on Amazon Prime, uh, Apple TV, Microsoft Movies, YouTube Movies. Uh, There's an app called Film Is Now that you can watch it on, um, Google Play. And this is actually a really good time to help us out as filmmakers. Because as I said, I'm I'm basically in debt on this film, (laughs) you know. And uh, right now it's rent by, and we actually see the biggest share of of that, um, you know, versus like getting little sense of uh, advertising, uh, you know, commercial that might come through. So, sure. um, yeah, so check it out, you know, rent it, buy it. Pretty soon we'll actually have some physical media that we'll be selling uh, probably towards the end of the year. So that'll that'll be really good. But yeah, go go check it out. Probably Amazon Prime is the easiest thing for most people to go. Yeah, go I actually, right uh, um, I'm not sure who I was originally in contact with, but they sent me a screener. Uh, for it but i actually rented it this morning so i could watch it oh. on my tel- i didn't want to watch it on my phone so i watched it on the yeah. television so oh well, um, awesome yeah. well that's the way to see it we shot it in you know it's it's big widescreen anamorphic you know that's that's it's uh unfortunate that indie filmmakers we don't get to show our films on big screens very much so sure the bigger you can make it the better 
Absolutely. Yeah. And if you send me uh, the, all the links for all that stuff, I will put it all in the description. So uh, all people will have to do is just click on a link in the description. And yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll send that. Um, and actually, if people go to our website, spectrographfilms.com, S-P-C-T-R-O-G-R-A-P-H.com, there's uh, films, the ghost lights, click on that. And then we actually have hot links to everything as well. And then our social rail is on the bottom. Spectrograph films pretty much everywhere. More movies on the way. We actually have two other feature films uh, kind of in various stages of completion right now. So trailers are on the website for those as well. So you can check those out. Awesome. Well, uh, we will uh, we will have you back on then uh, when they are available, when they're cool. ready. Right on. Well, well, thanks, guys. Thank you so much, man. We yep. appreciate it. And uh, nice job. Good job on this uh, film. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks for watching, everybody. Ray and I will be back on Sunday night with Ron from Barrel Aged Flicks. They are part of the Deluxe Edition Network. And uh, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or uh, anywhere else that podcasts are found. If you listen on iTunes, give us a review. And if you listen on Spotify, click uh, there's a five-star rating you can give us on there. All right. Thanks. See you next week. Oh, and uh, after that, we'll have Jane Badler from V, the 1980s series with our friend Mark Singer. All right. See you, folks.